Forgotten Cinema is getting romantic for our eighth season and just in time for Valentine's Day as we cover the 90s ensemble drama, Beautiful Girls. We'll then do a complete 180 as we dive into some spy films, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and Spy Game. We'll find out why white men can't jump and whether you should shoot to kill while enjoying a Frankenweenie. Nope, that doesn't make any sense. You know what else doesn't make sense? This season will also feature our 100th episode of Forgotten Cinema. Feels like 100 years. Don't I know it. Forgotten Cinema. Never stop, never stopping. Yes, that's a hint. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week we preview and review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course our fellow critics and podcasters. The Nomcast is available on nomcastpod.com or wherever you get your podcasts on the socials at nomcastpod and is a part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello there, I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds who met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast where every week we journey to a galaxy far, far away and discuss the films of the Star Wars canon. This week, we're taking a break from the films and looking at how Star Wars went from a single film to a rich and expansive franchise prior to being acquired by Disney in 2012. So are you guys ready to found the new Jedi Order? Hmm, considering who's in the Order, can I take a minute to think on it? Yeah, this is Legends, so uh, let's let's circle back on that. <laughs> Very fair. <laughs> All right, so just a little bit of a timeline of events here. George Lucas was saying as far back as 1976, before Star Wars was actually even released, that he had in his mind some plans for three, I even saw one report of up to four trilogies of films. And by 1981, he was saying that he kind of had them all mapped out in his head. Now, Star Wars was obviously a behemoth at the box office, unlike pretty much anything that had ever been seen before. And the studio pretty much was trying to capitalize that right from the jump. The very infamous holiday special, I still can't get over this, aired in 1978, only one year after A New Hope. Like they hadn't done Empire Strikes Back yet. That wouldn't be for another couple of years. They hadn't done Return of the Jedi yet. And they still churned this thing out. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> Put it on then, Disney Plus, you cowards. Oof, they never uh, will. <laughs> nope, find it on YouTube. They did put the animated segment up. They put the Boba Fett segment up as of today. So yeah. <laughs> uh, now the novelization of the film, which was written by Alan Dean Foster, was published a year before the movie came out in 1976. And then Foster had written a follow-up titled Splinter of the Mind's Eye that the thought was it might be made into kind of a low-budget sequel if need be. Obviously, that wasn't the case, but once I found this out, I became obsessed with this idea. So I <laughs> went out, I got the book, I read it, I finished it about 20 minutes ago. I can't believe you read that. It was interesting. <laughs> it was interesting. It was actually, I mean, it was pretty good. Um, some major distinctions. You definitely know that uh, Luke and Leia were not siblings yet because Luke is hot for Leia in this book. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. I see. <laughs> But Leia also, I was telling Colleen before we started recording, Leia gets a really badass lightsaber sequence where Luke is injured. So she picks up his lightsaber and starts dueling Vader herself. Yes. Hell yes. Yeah. Get after it, Leia. <laughs> okay. That's awesome, though. Now, the first real kind of quote unquote expanded universe content that came out was Marvel Comics Star Wars number seven. Numbers one through six were just the events of the first movie. And those came out in 1978. Then there was a trilogy of books called The Han Solo Adventures by Brian Daly that were published between 1979 and 1980. And The Adventures of Lando Calrissian was a trilogy published in 1983. Lots of sex in those books then, right? I mean, almost definitely. Han and Lando, what are we going to (laughs) do? But it wasn't really until 1991 with Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire Trilogy, one of Colleen's absolute favorites, that is really credited with launching what is what used to be referred to as the Star Wars Expanded Universe, otherwise known as the EU. Now it is referred to as Legends. And Colleen, I'm going to let you take over from here. (laughs) Yes, we're heading into the Expanded Universe, friends. I'm going to start with a quote from George. Quote, after Star Wars was released, it became apparent that my story 
however many films it took to tell, was only one of thousands that could be told about the characters who inhabit its galaxy. But these were not the stories that I was destined to tell. Instead, they would spring from the imagination of other writers, inspired by the glimpse of a galaxy that Star Wars provided. Today, it is an amazing, if unexpected, legacy of Star Wars that so many gifted writers are contributing new stories to the saga. And I love this. This came from the introduction. I think it was a reprinting of Splinter of the Mind's Eye from 1996. Yep. And George is famously very cantankerous about the EU. <laughs> he can get real owly about it and be like, not my Star Wars, which is fair <laughs> because he is the creator. But I really mm -hmm. like this quote from him. It kind of shows that intended spirit of what the EU was supposed to be. And the EU encompasses all of the licensed, very important distinction there, and background mm -hmm. stories from the Star Wars universe outside of the six movies at that Sorry, time. Sorry, Flo, doesn't count fanfic. Yeah, it doesn't count fanfic, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And these were all produced before April 25th of 2014. The material continues the stories from the films and expands from over 36,000 years before The Phantom Menace to 136 years after Return of the Jedi. That's a lot of time to cover, guys. And my yes, cat is, is here, so I need to move him. <laughs> Hi, Dunk. Yeah, Duncan is here for his appearance. Now, this part kind of always got me because I thought this was true, too. Some people might think that the EU would be full of continuity errors and retcons, that dirty, dirty word, retcon. <laughs> but there were rules in place, so this didn't happen really that often. The general rule was that the material couldn't contradict the films or any other part of the EU that had already been established. And also, just because these works were decanonized doesn't mean that they are fan fiction, which is any unlicensed material written about Star Wars. If you're licensed, even if it was decanonized, it's not fan fiction, y'all. I mean, there's some great fan fiction out there, though. <laughs> Watch <laughs> Bohemian Geek Studies ladies as we discuss Star Wars fan fiction. <laughs> Woo! Talk about getting mm -hmm. spicy. Now we're going to head into kind of the highlights from the Expanded Universe era. My favorite, like Anders said, is the Heir to the Empire trilogy or the Thrawn trilogy. In these books, author Timothy Zahn, my hero, my king, established many of the most popular EU characters, including Thrawn, of course. But then we have Mara Jade, Talon Card, who is super hot and he needs to be in canon now. And Gilad Pelion, who also of the magnificent mustache needs to be in canon now. Zahn created the galactic capital of Coruscant. So George wow. took Coruscant <laughs> from this and made it the galactic capital, which fair, he is allowed to do this. Zahn also created many of the other planets and aliens throughout the galaxy. His ideas about the force too and how it could work were super unique. We're going to talk about that later. And he also had Luke grapple with whether it was okay for Jedi to form attachments and start families. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> mm, it's fine. <laughs> Luke says it's fine. I think it's okay. Oh, it is okay. Totally okay. This one is cool too. Battle meditation comes into play a lot. It was an intriguing force ability that came up in the EU, particularly when they're trying to explain why the Imperial fleet fell apart so quickly after Palpatine died. Because he was pretty much mind controlling them all, which is very disturbing, like more disturbing than anything that he does in The Rise of Skywalker. It's an ability also, that's coming back now yeah. in High Republic, right? They're bringing mm -hmm. that into yep. actual canon. Mm -hmm. Which is really cool, but also like, mm. <laughs> there are some <laughs> things in Legends that happen with battle meditation that are just not okay. <laughs> some things are fine. Like Jason Solo is really good at facilitating battle meditation also. Oh, the Solo um, children. Oh, the Solo. Yeah, we're going to get to them later. <laughs> One of the coolest things, though, about Heir to the Empire was that it was the flagship novel to gauge whether there was even an interest in Star Wars anymore in the early 90s. But the book went to number one on the New York Times bestseller list in hardcover. So it caused a tidal wave of new content after publication. Yeah. It's a really good series. If you haven't read it yet, highly recommend. Not to step on recommendations later, but... <laughs> what are the next ones? The major series to come out was the new Jedi Order series. Mm -hmm. um, it's a multi-author series that started in 1999 and ended in 2003. So four years made up of 19 books. 19. All of, oh all of which Colleen read last year. I did. Hello, quarantine. <laughs> Hello, COVID. Jeez, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was, like, that was a COVID extravaganza, you guys. Whew. Still tired from that. 
it is a sweeping epic different from really anything else that the novels had attempted to do before mm-hmm. uh, using an extra galactic villain the yuzan vong the creators developed a four-year storyline that began with a massive character death in book one no spoilers won't tell you who cried wept it's bad <laughs> and escalated escalated from there Almost every Star Wars character imaginable makes an appearance. At times it's really heartbreaking. It is though, it is really well written. It's a beautiful story. And some fans were angry about storytelling choices, but if are you really succeeding if you don't piss off some of your fans? No. Uh, usually that happened, I mean, when a beloved character died. If I'm remembering correctly, this is one of the times Colleen said she threw a book across the room. I have thrown a book bodily three times. I <laughs> dropped this one. <laughs> okay. My mistake. My mistake. All right. I mean, important distinction. Enough. Close enough. <laughs> George Lucas actually even got involved in one of the bigger character story choices uh, because mm-hmm. he was really worried that it was going to follow too closely with what he was planning for Anakin in the prequels. Yeah. So they yep. actually, that is like really interesting that he managed to get involved there and guide he that say if he wanted to change something mm-hmm. they changed it which yeah. is good and respectful like yes you should listen to what the creator wants to do and i think it was a better storytelling choice it sucks what happens it really sucks real bad you guys but it made it more interesting for the story Bold. you guys are gonna have to tell me offline what what we're talking about because i am so eu <laughs> so uh we're coming up to one of the last stages of the EU novels. It's the Legacy of the Four series. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was a nine book series that focused on the adult solo kids and it detailed the Second Galactic Civil War. Uh, so it's not exactly what you would expect. The Carillion system secedes from the Galactic Federation of Free Alliances over taxation issues, everyone's favorite, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, following the end of the New Jedi. Uh, New Jedi Order series, excuse me. Yeah. A favorite character falls to the dark side of the force, shockingly, shockingly, (laughs) and a lot of drama ensues. So many of the elements from The Force Awakens were actually taken from the series, including Ben Solo's fall from the light side. Mm -hmm. Spoiler there, if you were curious about which character falls. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there we go. Well, technically, there is no Ben Solo. (laughs) Yeah. You you can pretty much tell. Yeah, you can tell exactly who it is. It took me a minute to remember that that the Legends character is not named Ben when I saw that in Force Awakens because I was like, I know I know what they're doing here. <laughs> uh, moving into some of the other highlights, though, not just the story arcs, but we get so many characters in the Legends novels in the entire Legends canon, some of whom have been brought into main canon. Uh, some of them we're still waiting on. <clears throat> Mara Jade. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although given the sequel trilogy i'm not sure how they would actually do that one at this point but yeah sadly one of the coolest ones i think is actually the full the tragedy of darth plagueis the wise we get to learn the backstory of darth plagueis his real name is higo damask the second he was a financial dynasty heir uh really tied into the international or intergalactic sorry banking clan he wasn't really as interested, though, in his banking business as he was in studying the Metachlorians. And he was obsessed with experimenting with the Force, trying to influence life and death. I mean, this is where a lot of uh, some of the science behind Rise of Skywalker would have made more sense. Will make more sense if you read Darth Plagueis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> But his biggest claim to fame is, in fact, training Darth Sidious as his master. He found this teenager on Naboo who was trying to hide his force abilities and his contempt for his own father. So Sidious ultimately killed Plagueis after getting him drunk, after Plagueis thought that, you know, forgetting about the whole rule of two thing, about how that works, thinking that they were going to rule the galaxy together, the night that Sidious gets elected chancellor he gets Plagueis drunk and kills him. And is like, did you really not think this was going to happen? But by then, Plagueis had actually lost a lot of his sanity, kind of Howard Hughes style. He'd become a recluse. He had suffered some pretty major injuries. He also may have accidentally created Anakin Skywalker or maybe Grogu at this point. We're not sure. 
nice. through his metachlorine experiments. We're not really sure how that all went down. I would love <laughs> if that is what happened, if it was a freaking mad scientist accident. <laughs> right? If I like, remember my uh, Wikipedia correctly, the force is not happy with him for all this tampering. No. And Sidious just keeps getting more powerful and more powerful. That Ginger <laughs> King. Everybody's freaking Ginger. What is happening? <laughs> Star Wars. Like, oh, Palpatine has Because y'all don't, right. don't get your due in real life. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> there needed to be a galaxy of you. Damn right. Oh, man. <laughs> so another great character that we need to talk about is Thrawn. Uh, real name. Someone correct me if I'm wrong, because this is a doozy. <laughs> uh, Mithron Arudo. He was a Chiss Grand Admiral. Yeah. Hell yeah, I got close enough. <laughs> so he's a Grand Admiral of the Chiss in the Imperial Navy, though. Mm-hmm. So he's the only non-human to hold such a high rank. So he ingratiated himself with Palpatine, and he showed his military acumen and cunning. So that's mm-hmm. how he got up to the top there. And he's hot. I mean, that's also super helpful. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there we Those go. Cheek that works. The sure, cheekbones, sure, the blue skin. I, I, I see it. And then when we get to Rebels, separate from the EU character, that voice, though, pretty great. Yeah, Lars. Lars. (laughs) So he is sent to the unknown region, seemingly in exile, but he was actually Palpy's backup plan against the rebellion. So Mm -hmm. Thrawn waits and gathers his forces before launching an offensive against the New Republic five years after Return of the Jedi. So he is one of the most popular and enduring Legends characters. People loved him so much that they had to bring him back into canon. Yes. Thank the good Lord. (laughs) He's so fantastic. I remember when I first Mm -hmm. started reading the books, I only was going to read canon. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That didn't work, obviously. Yep. He's such a fantastic uh, villain, right, Colleen? Uh, mm. (laughs) (laughs) For an extensive talk about whether Thrawn is a villain. (laughs) <laughs> Check out Bohemian, Bohemian Geek Studies pod. Yes, <laughs> we have a multi we have a multi pod series on yes. the character of Thrawn, during which Colleen and I get into a very extensive argument as to whether or not he is a villain. <laughs> I think in most of Legends, he's definitely pretty much a straight up villain, and even when you find out his motivations, which are pretty decent for why he does what he does, he's still very villainous compared to canon Thrawn, who is protagonist so you're gonna see him in a better light but any any Thrawn we can get i'm happy with like just keep keep giving us more Thrawn. timothy zahn oh, yeah. keep writing and he is writing really well please teach george rr R. martin how to create <laughs> your process and next we have andrew's already mentioned her the ginger anger ball herself mara jade i love her <laughs> i love her so much the first book, Heir to the Empire, she shows up and I'm like, who's this? I, I'd heard stories about who Mara was and what happens with her, but she's just fantastic. She was trained by Sidious to be the hand of the emperor. She wasn't a Sith and she wasn't specifically a dark side user. She was an adept force user who undertook <laughs> Palpatine's kind of dirty work that Vader and Tarkin were too busy to do, basically. And she's introduced as an antagonist for Luke and the crew in the Air Trilogy at first. But she slowly sheds Palpy's kind of mental influence that was still on her and turns to the light side. She eventually marries Luke, too. (laughs) I was going to say, she's got to be the main influence for Ventress, right? Part of it, I would think. I mean, she She has that kind of sassy uh, energy. mm -hmm. She's like a proto-inquisitor a little bit. Mm-hmm. To a More degree, More powerful yeah. than the Inquisitors, but yes, definitely. She's the one, the ninja assassin, who is sent out to, yeah. to do so. So definitely Ventress vibes there. I do love that she marries Luke. <laughs> 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 Poor Luke, sweet farm boy. No clue how to flirt, but he gets by. Fun fact, <laughs> Timothy uh, Son only sister agreed. and then the hand of the emperor? Like, seriously, oh, yeah. man, get better taste. <laughs> I mean, he has a couple girlfriends before he ends up with Mara, but they either die or are... Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. It's not nothing good if you date Luke Skywalker. Luke, you're a bad boyfriend. Yeah. Why are you letting your girlfriends get murdered? Mm, yeah, not the best. Luckily, Mara can take care of her damn self. Mm-hmm. She doesn't need Luke to help her. 
Zan only agreed to write the next series, The Hand of Thrawn duology, if Luke and Mara ended up together. And the publishers initially passed. They were like, no, we don't want to do that. And then they really wanted him to write the <laughs> duology because nobody else really could. <laughs> so he won that battle in the mm-hmm. end, which I love. Like, let Luke be happy for God's sake. Exactly. And I mean, it's just Luke, it's just Luke Skywalker, right? I mean, no one really cares. <laughs> well, they like to leave like all these plot threads dangling. Like, I'm sure they were thinking, we can't let Leia and Han get married. That'll close up all our storytelling choices. Like, no, just let them get married <laughs> and have kids. It's fine. Like, it's fine. You can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the other major characters to come out of Legends is, in fact, Darth Bane. Mm. Way back, way back, a couple of thousand years, probably, before, or about a thousand years, maybe, um, before... I'd have to look at time frames. <laughs> yeah, before the original trilogy when the sith actually had their own academy they were trading they had an army they were like a straight up force in the galaxy they had their own empire mm-hmm. bane mm-hmm. was a human sith lord who ultimately instituted the rule of two after the sith were decimated a event that he orchestrated he basically had them get together and form what was quote unquote a force bomb to take out all of them and the entire like Jedi army that was on that planet, and then Whoopsies. he was left standing. And then he was left standing. It was like, yeah, that's right. I'm in charge now. <laughs> I shall find another. <laughs> but he recognized that the Sith were pretty much taking each other out, and so Bane's mission was to institute that there could be no more than two: one to hold power, one to crave it. He thought the Sith would be utterly destroyed unless they kept those numbers low. There would be a master and apprentice, each learning from the other, each ultimately trying to best and off the other. This is a great trilogy of books. Starts out with a game of Sabacc that triggers his anger (laughs) and his ultimate fall to the dark side. You know what? We've all been there. (laughs) One bad hand of poker. We're all. Yeah. You're playing Monopoly with your family and then someone (laughs) screws you over. And the next thing you know, you're shooting force lightning. It's cool. Yeah. A lot of great stuff. Can you imagine game day with Palpatine and Vader? Oh, Oh my gosh. Also, a lot of great stuff about holocrons in those in the Bane trilogy. Mm -hmm. A lot of good stuff about holocrons. That should have been brought into Rise of Skywalker, but that's for another pod. <laughs> that's not a holocron. That's a wayfinder. God, flip the table again. Uh, <laughs> speaking of holocron. <laughs> yeah, speaking of holocrons, we've got Darth Revan. So he is mm, one of the Sith Lords. Sexy. <laughs> <laughs> he's one of the Sith Lords that Bane actually studied from. Uh, so he's a fascinating character to me. He existed about 4,000 years before the, um, before the events of the prequels. So he's a Jedi Knight to start. He's in the middle of the Republic is in a war with Mandalorians at the time. They're invading the Outer Rim. And so the Jedi are not going to go fight with the Republic. And Revan decides we can't do this. We can't let innocents die. He leads an assault. And his, unfortunately, his Jedi all kind of turn to the dark side over time. As this war goes on, Revan and Malak uh, are exploring the outer region. So Revan gets a Jedi Knight Malak to follow him. He becomes his apprentice. And the two of them lead a Sith army back against the galaxy after they've defeated the Mandalorians. So they turn on the Republic because they're trying to build a Sith Empire of their own to combat another Sith Empire. It's wild. Revan has such a crazy story that it's there's so much to get into, but he is one of the most fascinating characters in the EU just because he goes from the light to the dark and then back to the light again. And it's just, he goes down such a wild path. I love it. Give me a character yeah. arc that's all over the damn place. Right? Yes. It's it's a fantastic story. And just, it's uh, worth pointing out the Star Forge, which is the artifact that they're hunting uh, when you first meet Revan. It is a giant battle station that feeds off of a star and it uses the power of this star and the dark side to build droids and ships and armor and weapons. It's a giant factory built from like mm. that uses the dark side. Mm. And it uh, helps. Why doesn't it just, why doesn't it just uh, I was going to say, why doesn't it just like destroy a system of planets with a giant laser if it's going to drain <laughs> a star? 
<laughs> right? Uh, so that's the thing, though. It unlike Star Killer Base, this thing is not draining the star; it's just orbiting over it and it's like slowly uh, pulling the solar energy. But definitely an influence for Star Killer Base. So many influences there. That's crazy. <laughs> I do like the idea of Revan and Malak too. Yeah. I wish I wish there were more ladies in there, um, but. Well, we will talk about one of the most important characters of the of the Knights Guild Republic series, Bastila, later on. She's very, very important in Revan's story. And she is just as just as cool as Revan. So next we have the kiddos. Woo! These solo children. So the firstborn are twins, Jason and Jaina. I love Jaina. Jaina, one of my favorite characters from the EU. And then the youngest, Anakin, named after Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> sure, that's just fine to put that weight on a small <laughs> child. I'm sure everything will be fine there. Absolutely nothing happens to any of these kids, and they live completely peaceful lives. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. Of course that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. That's it. Oh, man. As if the children of Pan and Leia could ever live normal lives. They, that's just not going to happen. It's not in the cards for them. They spend most of their childhoods dodging kidnapping plots. For real. They're like almost kidnapped so many times. And actually kidnapped multiple times. Then they train to become Jedi by having to take down a group of dark side users who are super powerful. Jason cuts off <laughs> his friend's arm when they are it's Star Wars. Of course they do. Yes. And she's awesome too. She doesn't have a prosthetic or anything. So she only wields her lightsaber with one arm. Love her. Love her. And then once they're Jedi, that is when the Yuzan Bong decide that it's time to invade the galaxy. <laughs> and they're pulled into a devastating four-year war because of course they are and they're teenagers at this point. Jason is the oldest. He has an affinity for empathy and communicating with animals. Jaina is an ace pilot. Like she is out of control. Great as a pilot. And Anakin is a mechanic who is an excellent lightsaber duelist. He actually is really strong in the force too. Luke experienced his presence in the force at one point as just like this incredible bright shining light. So uh -huh. he- Very aptly have, named them. Yes. Yeah. He's said to be the most potential in the force that Luke has ever seen hmm. out of any of the other Jedi that he's trained. And needless to say, there is drama wherever these kids go. <laughs> they just can't help themselves. It's not their fault. <laughs> no, of course not. And then, I mean, aside from the new characters, there are a lot of original trilogy characters that get a lot more development throughout the entire extended mm -hmm. expanded universe i mean you get a lot more detailing han and leia's relationship their how they are wild how they, <laughs> their courtship how they are always fighting with each other always bickering but always have those like nice makeup moments leia does pretty sure train as jedi that was not something yes. that was just brought out of nowhere for rise of skywalker that was mm -hmm. an established thing in mm -hmm. legends canon yeah i believe she's not she as good because she doesn't train like the entire time she's not a knight per se but she is no but luke's also great. always reaching out to her for advice when he kind of forms his new council deal he's yeah. kind of wants her on it but she says no and then there's all this other stuff one of my personal favorites shmi skywalker gets a lot more fleshed out in the novel tattooing ghosts you get her whole story of what happened after anakin left in phantom menace up to when basically when he found her in attack of the clones and her whole oh, deal man. with owen and getting to the lars farm oh we made daniel cry <laughs> everything was just head and hands we it was just head and hands any sentient animals you had Poor such Shmi. a rough life Shmi. Yeah, yeah i know but she had a, she had a good few years she had a good few years with owen yeah and Kleeg. And, and oh, Baru. Freaking Kleeg. Yeah, and, and Baru. Baru was a delight. Baru was a Let's delight. Yeah. I, I, I remember Shmi thinking in her, I, I remember one of her journal entries. Shmi is like, Baru fits in well here. She's gonna do she's gonna do just fine. Oh. I love that. I know. 
another character that gets flushed out a lot more, we see Mace Windu in his novel Shatterpoints. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we which do. He comes from an entire <laughs> planet of Force-sensitive beings. <laughs> hmm. And he's still like the upper crust of... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he straddles the dark side and the light side so interestingly. I wish that they had covered this more in canon, his character, and how it is a blend of using the light and the dark and being able to balance so well. Like, just because you can do it doesn't mean you're going to be the, the best person. Yeah. But he can do it. Like, he can traverse this kind of chasm yeah. between the two sides, which is I, really interesting. I do hope that they publish something in canon to explore that. Not, though, if it means bringing him back to life. Mace Windu is dead. <laughs> it happened, all right? He's just as dead as Uncle Ben. Can't bring him back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then there are also, I mean, we, we talked about these very briefly up at the top. There are a lot of Force abilities that get introduced in Legends canon. Mm-hmm. The idea of essence transfer and this whole Sith science cloning thing. Basically, the entire crux of the rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. introducing the night sisters and the actual mm-hmm. magics of the dark side mm-hmm. um i just finished watching the ewok movies i'm assuming andorra is uh, very strong with the force because there is magic going on in that forest lots of it <laughs> splinter the mind's eye that i just finished reading had force healing with kyber crystals spelt very differently k-a-i-b-u-r-r but <laughs> Ugh, i don't like that <laughs> yeah well, it was just one crystal and it magnifies force ability. That's still so. cool that that idea for that word was that far back. Mm-hmm. At, oh, definitely. Like you got to think he was like in with George. There was also, we talked about this on the Phantom Menace pod that it's the first instance of the word Sith. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if this is part of the reprint, if it was a later edit, but the word Sith does appear in Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Vader is identified mm-hmm. as a Sith Lord. Oh, so that was probably a reprint then maybe because that yeah. quote was from the 96 version. So maybe George was like, yeah, they're Sith. <laughs> <laughs> Throw that in there. I mean, at, the, <laughs> at that point, he book. was probably writing Phantom Menace. So mm-hmm. could be. Yeah. Oh, good point. Mm-hmm. Can always tell. Where are we in the timeline? Oh, they're Sith. <laughs> it's great. Next, I really love this part in the EU. The Force Specialties. This hasn't come up quite as much in canon, although Clone Wars with Quinlan Vos and Rebels with Ezra kind of dabbled in it. And of course, the High Republic is going back to this concept hard. Absolutely. Which is amazing. Give us more of this. In the mm-hmm. EU, though, a lot of the Jedi had specialized force abilities. Jason Solo's talent with animals. Like <coughs> Ezra. Jedi and Ezra. Yeah, that's Ezra <laughs> right there. That is, every Jedi can basically commune with living beings. But Jason's talent was singular, how good he was at it. And Mace Windu's power shatter point, where he could basically read the force, quote unquote, ley lines to find a person's major weakness. It does not work during Revenge of the Sith (laughs) until the last possible second when he's like, hmm, I wonder why Palpatine's freaking shatter point is Anakin Skywalker. Oh my God. And the oh, dark side else. is just like surrounding him. I, yes. I wonder what's going on. His shatter point is just not working at that point. I blame the dark side rising for that. Mace, I mean, Mace has his own issues, but he is clouded by the dark side of the force then. Mm-hmm. And then this was also kind of cool too. Jedi could even lack certain force abilities that other Jedi quote unquote normally had. Corrin Horn, who is the king of my heart. I love him. He's so fun. <laughs> he and his kids weren't great at telekinesis and a lot of times they couldn't do it like they just could not do it that's such all. a bummer and it's brought up a lot in the new jedi order books by corin he's like if you need telekinesis i can't do it guys i just can't do it <laughs> god that's such a bummer to be like oh yeah i'm a jedi but i can't move things with my mind which no. is like one of the coolest things you can do i mean he makes up for it he's a, a good pilot like he's up there with luke as one of the best pilots and he's good with saber combat, but yeah, telekinesis, he just sucks. <laughs> Man, if I was one of his kids, like, I, I know Corin's supposed to be amazing because I've heard so many people rave about him, but if I was one of his kids, I'd be like, oh, thanks, dad. One of his kids basically does say that. <laughs> yes. After yes! he mind controls ants to crawl 
Oliver and bite another Jedi. Oh my god. Ganner. Oh no, it's fine. Ganner is a dick. So okay. It's fine. Fair enough. Oh man. All right. All right. So we've been talking pretty much exclusively about the novels up until this point. There were other TV movie though expansions. Um pretty much from from the jump. I mean, we've mentioned before the two Ewok movies from 1985-1986 um and <laughs> Yo, the Disney Plus Vintage Collection, man, they're there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's wild. It's but wild. also, <laughs> right from around the same time, Star Wars was expanding into TV. We There was the Droids series, which was kind of like the adventures of C-3PO and R2-D2, and mm-hmm. another Ewoks animated series. Both ran on ABC from 1985 to 1986. They each had two seasons. Mm-hmm. Then in 2003... There was a series of mm. webisodes, animated shorts, by, I always forget how to pronounce his name. It's Gendy the- Tartakovsky. <laughs> Tartakovsky, all right. <laughs> Those ran from 2003 to 2005, introduced us to a lot of major characters that we love now, including General Grievous, Grievous. and mm-hmm. Asajj Ventress. I religiously scary. watched those. They're so good. I didn't watch them until much later. And the main thing I learned from them is that if you use the force, it will destroy your shirt. Yes. Yes. (laughs) No one's mad. (laughs) Look, the force gives you abs and the force wants everyone to see it. Which could have served a lot of people well in the prequels. I mean, Mm -hmm. our friend Flo would have been so much happier. (laughs) Very much You know what? Flo was still pretty damn happy. All right. (laughs) (laughs) That's also fair. Then the actual series that most people recognize now, The Clone Wars, ran mm. on Cartoon Network from 2008, which included a theatrical release mm. <laughs> through 2012. That was five seasons. Uh, it is the only property outside the main films that survived the Disney acquisition to become canon. After Disney acquired the Star Wars franchise, they took what were called these like unfinished, unreleased episodes as a season six that were released as a Netflix exclusive in 2014. And then with the launch of Disney plus they released the amazing season seven in 2020. I think that just the momentous success of season seven of the Clone Wars is what got us bad batch, even though it was probably still in development at this time, it really pushed it forward to be like, yes, an animated show can be a hit here, mm-hmm. along with Mando. I mean, without this first season of Mandalorian and season seven of Clone Wars, I don't think we'd be getting nearly as much content for Star Wars as we are. Definitely. I'm so happy about it. Like, so yep, oh John Favreau <laughs> and Dave Filoni, Kathleen Kennedy's like, here you go, boys, just have fun. <laughs> yes. Just go. Which oh is nice goodness. when you're the uh, person in charge, when you can be like, Yes, here are some people I can delegate responsibilities to and trust them to not F shit up. Like, this is perfect. I love it. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, we also have the video game series mm. that we need to talk about because that is a huge part of the EU. Mm-hmm. There's um, so, so many. There's a lot. And I, I left off some of them because there's some that didn't really have much story other than retellings of you know the original trilogy and things like that. Mm-hmm. or like slight variations of the prequels, yada, yada. Uh, the big ones that we want, need to talk about, though, are the Jedi Knight series. Mm-hmm. So it follows a guy named Kyle Katarn. So he's a mercenary, and he finds out he has a connection to the Force. And across the series, he becomes a Jedi Master. He helps with Luke's new Jedi Order. Like mm-hmm. He's, I believe, part of the Council. And the very last game of I'm the series. I can't remember if he is. Yeah, I can't he's, remember if he's. He's mentioned in New Jedi Order a couple times. He's mm-hmm. off like doing his own thing, basically, though. Yeah, he gets sent he's on missions. He's like the Han Solo of Jedi. He just kind of does his own thing. He's a rogue a little bit. Um, he's he seems like he's a cool dude. He is uh, not the character you play as in the very last game of the series, which I did play. He's like a mentor figure that um, that you meet with, and very very fun character. He's very beloved by um, fans of the EU and people Great have been pushing for a canon. Too. Yeah. I love yeah. the alliteration. <laughs> I love an alliteration. People are pushing for him to come back into canon and, uh, you know, for, for his fans, I hope he does. 
Uh, also, Rogue Squadron. So yeah. Wedge Antilles, <laughs> he leads a squad of X-Wing fighters across the original trilogy and then beyond that. Um, they're so beloved that they actually like went into the books uh, from the popularity in the video games. And then uh, it's also so popular in movie adaptation from Patty Jenkins of Wonder Woman and Monster fame. Uh, yes. so, I'm so excited I'm so for this. Excited. I'm very excited. <laughs> Please, uh, that that good. announcement trailer they put out was so yeah. cool with her uh, next to the fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Incredible. I love Wedge. <laughs> EU Wedge mm-hmm. is amazing. He is a mm-hmm. badass. He's he's still cool in canon. Like Wedge still has stuff to do in canon, but EU is so much better. He's on par with Admiral Akbar and the Corellian oh. general Garmbel Iblis in terms of strategy and pretty much is the most talented pilot in the galaxy. Like even Luke basically says without the force, Wedge would be better than me. Like Wedge is just that good. That's, oh man, that's amazing. I'm such a sucker for anything to do with like starships and and fighters and stuff. So yeah, I'm going to have to read that series. The X-Wings. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. next on my list. I met most of them reading New Jedi Order, Wraith Squadron. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready for those outcasts. Like, yes, give me that story, please. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then, so the one that I've been so happy that I can finally talk about at length, the Knights of the Old Republic series. This is the <laughs> gold <Go> star <laughs> A plus tier of Star this Wars is, games. This is the property that introduced me to the concept of like acronym abbreviations for things. Because I mm-hmm. knew it was a game out there or whatever, but I had some friends that were talking about like KOTOR, 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 or let's yep. do KOTOR, KOTOR. And I was like, it took me so long to realize that they were the same thing. <laughs> yes, KOTOR is Knights of the Old Republic. And yeah, it is. If you want good storytelling in a game, that's like the game to go to. Uh, so this is an era of the galaxy so far removed from the Skywalker saga. We're 4,000 years before the prequel trilogies. Um, mm. And it's very unique, but it still feels like our Star Wars universe. You know, things are a little bit different because it's 4,000 years ago, but you still feel like you're in that galaxy. So it doesn't feel so far removed that it's not Star Wars anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a very fun premise. Like I said, you're playing as Revan earlier. You don't know at the start. Um, so it's interesting. You start as just some random character and you have no idea what's going on and you get sucked into this galactic plot. So your companion, Bastila, is the woman who kidnapped Revan and mind-wiped him. So you, like, there's some heavy stuff to deal with. You have to deal with the fact that your companion mind-wiped you. You have to deal with the fact that you used to be a Sith Lord who destroyed planets, and you destroyed your pilot's planet. Uh, There's a lot of, like, emotion and angst to it, yeah, and when you find out that you are in fact Revan, it's this big moment of like, oh my God. Like <laughs> I remember being nine, 10 years old playing this game and I was shook because like, I, I did this stuff. <laughs> and well, that's it's just fascinating. Playing like a good guy. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. like, oh, actually you're freaking evil. Like what? Yeah. This, this evil dark Lord of the Sith that you're fighting against Malak was your apprentice. You used to be his master and commanded him. Oh, geez. Um, oh, boy. And it's also great. We get to see Korriban, um, the homeworld of the Sith. So, Anders, you talked about a Sith Academy before uh, with yep. Darth Bane. This is that Sith Academy. And so when you go there, you get to learn some of the history and stories of the ancient Sith Sick. Lords and see Korriban, Moraban, Malachor, yeah. <laughs> whatever we're going to call it, Exegol. <laughs> well, Malachor and Korriban are very different things. Uh, Korriban and Moraband are the are the, are the ones. Same where, one, yeah. yeah, I don't know why George changed it for uh, for Clone Wars, but he wanted that you know Mordor, what? the M O R equals yeah. death, which is yeah. fine. But Korriban also sounds good. Like, yeah, it. and it's this like just dark, twisted, dead-looking world, and very fascinating. We get to go to Kashyyyk, which made me very happy. I, I was think gonna this say that makes you the life. happiest. <laughs> I think this is what spawned my love of Wookiees because you have a Wookiee companion and you go to Kashyyyk and it's being subjugated by a corporate power named Zerka. And uh, yeah, I've always hated Zerka from then on. And uh, 
it it's one of those things where you're like, oh no no no, this company cannot win. I will I will fight the environmentalist fight here. Uh, <laughs> the Zerka so can, corporations in canon now too. They are. Yes. Oh, from that makes me Master so and happy. Apprentice. Yeah, they're they're, they're dicks. dicks. <laughs> they're super dicks. <laughs> Capitalism. Um, wow. Right. Even in space, <laughs> they suck. Um, you also go to Tatooine and you see the Tusken Raiders. And Ooh. if you play it correctly, you can sneak into a Tusken Raider camp. Uh, now, when I was a little kid, I did not play it correctly and I messed things up and you have to slaughter the whole camp and feel terrible. But if you play Oh, hi, right, Anakin. Yeah, yeah. Not just the men. <laughs> and you can find out that they're like a whole society out there. They don't really like everyone because they're stealing their water and like impeding on their ancestral home. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's just all this cool gray morality to the world that really fleshes it out and it's not just oh you know good evil you see kind of the shades of gray in the galaxy and i don't think i appreciated it enough as a kid and it's one of those games that i went back and played later on and i grew even more in love with it it's just like the the complexities of the world are are really fantastic and then they it's did more a interesting when it's gray right yeah you um one of your companions is a jedi who from the order because he's like I, I just can't deal with this hypocrisy anymore he's not dark side he's just not a jedi uh fascinating character he's on kashik his name's jolie bendo and he's defending the wookies from zirka and we love him for that he's a cantankerous old man uh, <laughs> and then the second game in the series is called the lords and we see this uh, it's five years after the first game and it's 10 years after those mandalorian wars in which uh the galaxy he was getting real by the Jedi, or I'm sorry, by the Mandalorians. The Jedi had to go save the day. So yeah, Mandalorians they really love to just go out and fight. It's it's their thing. So Evan from the first game has disappeared into the unknown regions. He's trying to find out about this ancient threat out there. Because surprise, surprise, there's an even more ancient Sith uh, Empire beyond the unknown regions. And so of course. the the Republic won their little skirmish with Ma- uh, Revan and Malak's Sith Empire, but they're really struggling. They're a mess. And there are Sith assassins hunting down the very last of the Jedi. And so you start this game as a, well, canon for the uh, game series, a woman named Mitra Surik who had cut herself off from the Force. So Anders, I'm glad you brought up Malakor because if you guys remember back to how awful Malakor looked when we see it in Rebels, Imagine that. Mitra is basically responsible for that. She sets off a thing called the Mass Shadow Generator, and it is basically a WMD that destroys Malachor. Uh, so she kills a ton of Mandalorians and some of her own troops, and it is awful. She so did she, becomes... Colleen, did she build mm-hmm. that battle station in <laughs> Rebels? Probably. No. I don't think they give her name. So that's... She's a it's a Sith Lord. It's a female Sith Lord that made the battle station, but I don't mm-hmm. think it's Mitra. Yeah, it's it, it they kind of take the name of the planet and the devastation of it, but it's like a different device, different okay. things. Um so Mitra doing this becomes just overwhelmed with what she's done because she can feel all of that life extinguished around her. So like, think about how Yoda was clutching his chest, feeling all the death of the Jedi. Imagine millions of people. He could have prevented that. <laughs> he could have yeah. prevented it. And she could have prevented this if she didn't, you know, trigger this WMD. But all that suffering and pain in the Force at once caused what's called a wound. And so she cuts herself off from the Force because she can't handle the pain that she's caused. And the game has you rediscovering your force powers and you're trying to build the Jedi back up and you're fighting against this Sith Empire and your mentor, Kreia, this whole time is actually a former Sith Lord herself. She was once a Jedi who trained Revan and then she defected after the Mandalorian Wars, became a Sith Lord. Her apprentices then betray her and she ends up hating the force. She hates the light. She hates the dark. She hates how the force kind of manipulates people to its own will. And what she tries to do is how she sees, okay, Mitra cut herself off from the force when she was exposed to this wound. And her and Mitra have a force bond similar to Kylo and Ray in the sequels. She says, well, what if I go 
to the planet of Malachor and just put all of like her energy into that wound. And she wants to expand it across the galaxy and cut off everyone from the force because she hates it so much that she wants to deafen it to everyone. And I think wow. that is one of the most wild concepts Star Wars has ever put forth. You, know, you have all these villains that want to use the force of their own will. And then Jedi, they, they want to just listen to the force and follow its will. And then you have someone who just straight up says, no, I hate the force and it has to go. It's That's wild. Yeah, it's a, it's a crazy concept. Um, so that that's why it's one of my favorites just because it's it's one of the most original Star Wars plots I've come across. And then we also see just some of the awful effects of the dark side. There's a guy, Darth Nihilus, who is the solid like, name. worst, solid, name. solid name. He's basically like a force vampire. He consumes the force from others because he's just sunk so deep into the dark side. It's the only way he can live. He has to survive off force energy. And so he's kind of like a twisted version of what Mitra could become if she fully succumbed to that wound in the force, because he is a like walking wound. Like when he, his presence is around, people feel this like dark emptiness. And it's, it feels like, it's almost like a Dementor feeling from Harry Potter. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, we're also introduced to a guy named Darth Sion, who I think he influenced uh, how Maul survives in, in uh, Clone Wars. He is like constantly getting struck down and killed in battle. And he, he's basically just like a walking, rotting corpse. But he <laughs> just brings himself back from hate and rage of the dark side. He can get like right to the edge of death and pull himself right back up. Um, and so I think that's kind of an influence how Maul, you know, uses the dark side to survive yeah. uh, his man too angry to die. <laughs> yeah. And I remember him just being a terrifying, terrifying figure when I was a kid, because it's a literal walking dark side corpse that's <laughs> following you <laughs> and trying to kill you. You're like, this is not okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I love those series just because, you know, they, they really went out there with the storytelling and uh, they, they really tried some interesting, interesting concepts. And you meet a whole lot of people. So there's a lot of characters that I adore. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, AK. Yeah. Didn't even talk about AK. <laughs> oh, HK-47 is one of the best droids ever. C-3PO, R2-D2, I love you guys, but you're not quippy murder assassin droids. <laughs> um which fair <laughs> we need to fair. we need to reintroduce hk droids because they're just so mean and i love it they're so they, mean to organics they've done a version of hks but not like this in guy. mandalorian season two uh the droids that are defending oh gosh the the, the ahsoka episode yes yeah those are hk model droids um but they're like 88s or something they're like high level hk droids yeah so that's a fun little fact and then the last one worth really mentioning is the Force Unleashed series. Yay. So there's a series of fun <laughs> action games. They bring us the wonderful Sam Witwer. It's my first husband. Yep, I knew I couldn't. Love him. I knew I couldn't Colleen, talk to video I, games. I, I'm going to use this opportunity to finally ask you, because you say first husband, you say second husband. Are you divorcing them as you go through, or are you just like adding to the collection? Obviously not. No, it's a harem. It's a Sam, harem. Sam Witwer is real. <laughs> So that's yeah. helpful. Eli is not real. Eli yeah. is second husband and he's a cinnamon <laughs> roll. And he's the one you would actually want to marry. Like Sam Whitwer, <laughs> I would marry you also. <laughs> but Starkiller, like, no, we're not marrying Starkiller. Oh, yeah. And we're not marrying Maul. Like that is not <laughs> So just how you said Luke was kind of a bad boyfriend and got some people killed. Uh, you don't want to be Starkiller's girlfriend because he won't really uh, stop you from getting captured by the Empire. Damn it. Yeah. So Starkiller was a secret apprentice of Vader's, which, oh, don't you just love those? They always go well. Mm -hmm. uh, he loves he was them. Meant... He loves them all. <laughs> yeah. So Vader finds him as a child and forces him to be like this dark, twisted uh, version of a Jedi apprentice. Uh, and he's like, no, 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 we're going we're gonna to kill the Empire. Or we're going to kill the Emperor. Totally, totally. And then uh, you go to face the Emperor and the Emperor has Vader kill you and throw you through the window of a starship. Mm. Uh, so that's great. 
Um, sounds like a really solid plan. Good plan. Oh, very lovely relationship. Um, so in the timeline, Starkiller, real name Gowan Merrick, he turns from the dark side and he's originally tasked by Vader. He's like, no, 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 form a rebellion and we're going to use it as a distraction against the Emperor. And then we're really going to kill him this time, I swear to you. Uh, and so like, you build up this rebellion kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's what Vader's telling me to do. And you eventually turn to the light. You go and uh, give your life to protect rebel leaders. Mm. Um, and so it's like a nice, sweet moment. Um, he gives his life. And then in the second one, you're a clone and it's a whole <laughs> It's a whole thing. thing. <laughs> um, this series was a lot of fun, but it's it's one of those things where it's like, this is very video gamey fantasy version of the force. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it influenced a lot of people's perceptions of like, oh, Luke should just walk out and throw ATATs with his like bare might. Because um, there's a moment where I've Star always Killer... wondered where he doesn't, why he doesn't do stuff like that. I've always wondered like how the Jedi could possibly fall to battle droids when they could just like hold up their hands and toss down an entire so army. Battle droids, that's one thing. But like people wanted him to like rip ATATs to the ground and stuff like that. Size doesn't matter. Did Yoda teach you nothing? <laughs> I mean, hey, that's that's a lot of firepower coming at you. But I mean, there's a moment in these games where Starkiller pulls a Star Destroyer from the sky with his bare hands. Mm -hmm. And it's just like so goofy. Uh, not only is it just very bad controls, which makes it not as epic as it's supposed to be in the moment. <laughs> it's just uh, it's like, how strong are you supposed to be? The uh, strongest. <laughs> Just yeah, as strong it's as Thanos ones. pulling a moon from the sky to punch right. Tony Stark with. <laughs> it was one of those things where it's like, are, is this just for the video game or do people actually expect this to be the force and other properties? And so as much fun as they are, I think that did bring a little bit of like muddied the waters of the force a little bit. Mm -hmm. But still fun, fun game series. And I'm thankful that we got Sam Whit for Sam Whitwer from it because God, what a treasure. I'm really happy about that. <laughs> They were like, oh, why don't you stick around? Yes. <laughs> Please. All right, guys. And I think that's going to wrap up our main discussion for today. So before we head out, we are going to get into our recommendations. So this is where we give you guys recommended content if you enjoy Star Wars as much as we do. So today we are obviously focusing on Legends content. So I'm going to start us off. Please read the, Dark, the Darth Bane trilogy. Uh, it is by Drew Carpershin. It is so, so good. They, you are kind of rooting for Bane to win, but you're also like still totally against him. Like <laughs> you see the origins of the way the Sith operate and ultimately what leads to Palpatine, what leads to so many things that we see, such as, you know, Darth Maul showing up at the end of the Solo movie at, as the head of the crime syndicate and that whole pattern of behavior. It's it's amazing. Uh, another one that I really, really like is the Lost Tribe of the Sith series. This is by John Jackson Miller. It is a novella series. So none of them are above, I want to say like 70 or 80 pages. They're all very short, but it covers a time span of about 6,000 years before the original trilogy, pretty much up until the time of the Empire. Uh, and it details this ancient warship full of sith that crash landed on a planet was completely cut off so had to kind of build their own society with the natives and how that evolved over time i'm sure uh, it was fine <laughs> yeah, you know they actually totally. did a pretty they did a decent job they were worshipped as gods oh, that's fair <laughs> very healthy very good very totally very healthy. good um of course nothing ever went wrong they totally never started a civil war amongst themselves yeah. Obviously not. No, never. Uh, then, as I mentioned at the top, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, if you're interested in kind of the original trajectory of the Star Wars series, I highly recommend picking it up. It's a good it's a good read by Alan Dean Foster. Uh, and then my last one is a short series of young adult novels called Galaxy of Fear. This is, I remember, I read this series probably like five or six times in middle school. It was just so interesting to me. You follow these two siblings who were actually from Alderaan and were off planet on a field trip at the time that the Empire destroyed the planet. So they're like the last survivors of their planet. They live with their uncle, who is like a xeno anthropologist, 
and they stumble on this like secret biological weapons plot by the empire throughout the whole thing it's really really cool that is a wild concept i'm very intrigued yeah (laughs) the alderaan remnant stuff is really interesting I feel so bad for them. Yeah, it sounds heartbreaking. It's just like not very many of them left. And then mm-hmm. you find one and everyone's like, oh, you're from Alderaan. <laughs> yeah, mention it again. Mm. <laughs> yeah, keep bringing it up. That sounds fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So after you finish reading Heir to the Empire, which just read it, obviously, you can dive right into the Thrawn duology, which is also excellent, written by Timothy Zahn. It is Spectre of the Past is the first book and Vision of the Future, which is actually the longest Star Wars book. Hmm. I thought Star by Star was longer. It's not, folks. Vision of the Future (laughs) is actually a little bit longer. They have a lot of like this great political intrigue with the New Republic trying to start back up. Lots of Bothans causing lots of problems in the (laughs) New Republic. Mm. Borsfelia should just go suck a dick. (laughs) Uh, and there's also just so much great banter in these between mara jade and luke it's so good luke has no game whatsoever but he's so just like innocently winning and mara can't help but like him it's adorable she's like oh farm boy Mm." but also he cute (laughs) but also let's go to the barn Yes, (laughs) Yes, yes. <laughs> Wherever we can find a spot to hang out together, it's adorable. The whole book, too, at the end, Luke is fighting his feelings. He's like, all of my other girlfriends have met horrific ends. I can't do that to Mara Jade. Anyway, she's more like just a friend. And then this, like, forced bat creature that is with them is like, I know how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> you're not hiding it very well if this young child forced bat can tell that you're in love. Luke's getting relationship advice from a force bat. bat. (laughs) Yes. Please read these. They are fantastic. Oh my Um, gosh. For New Jedi Order, if you can't bring yourself to read 19 Butch, which is fair because it's a lot to try and get to, I would say the two standouts are Star by Star by Troy Denning and Traitor by Matt Stover. Traitor is one of the best Star Wars books I've ever read. It is amazing. It's not super long. Focuses on basically two characters, Jason Solo and his teacher, Vergeer. They both take place about midway through the series, so you might think you need to read more, but they're just so good that you would be fine reading them. They're beautifully written. Both of them are devastating. (laughs) Just to warn you, they are two of the best books in the series because they are emotionally crippling. It's fine. And then I have a quick question for you, though. Isn't Jason's master like some kind of like bird creature looking alien? Yes. Yeah, she's Hell yeah. She is a bird person. <laughs> yes. Not to be confused with bird person from Richard. Exactly. <laughs> she is a bird like Jedi that's been living with the Yusan Vong for decades. So she's a little out of it, which is not fair. a red flag at all. No. So mm, Trader is full of all kinds of weird stuff that goes down with Jason and Berger. <laughs> and then this one, I haven't read this yet, but every single person who has been like a book pusher for me has suggested it. Kenobi by John Jackson Miller. Again, it kind of highlights Obi-Wan's exile on Tatooine, tells that story that we're going to get, I assume, in the Disney Plus series. And you can never get too much Obi-Wan, like for real. Uh, I just, I can't be emotionally hurt by obi-wan suffering in exile uh, twice over so i think i'm just gonna watch the show but yeah i'll eventually probably read the book too because i love obi-wan so much the show is gonna be so hard to watch i just need to know if this book involves does this book involve maul standing in the desert yelling out (laughs) (laughs) if not i i can't see how it's worth it i I I would agree (laughs) it absolutely must absolutely must oh man so for my recommendations one of the few eu books that i actually read uh the republic commando series i read the first three of those by karen travis um this is definitely not canon anymore from what we see the clones in the clone wars uh, but it's a much different take on the clones they're highly uh, mandalorian in culture like they have mandalorian teachers who are teaching them the language and the culture and the ethos of being a Mandalorian. Uh, so 
very interesting look to see how the clones are behind the scenes. And it follows a series of uh, commandos who come from different units because they're bred together to be in the same unit and they all lose people in the Battle of Geonosis and have to come together and become a squad. Uh, it's very, very interesting series. Uh, Karen Travis, you know, fantastic Star Wars writer and a bunch of other nerd stuff. And I do want to add, uh, Anders, I'm glad you brought up Drew Karpishin because he writes The Old Republic Revan, which is a novel detailing Revan's path after he goes into the unknown regions and is trying to figure out what's going on with this ancient Sith evil. So that's also a very good read. All right. And I think that is where we will officially leave it for today. So thank you all for joining us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at YASWpod. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Give us those five-star reviews. And check out all of the offerings from the Forgotten Entertainment family at ForgottenEntertainment.com. You can also find Colleen and I on the Bohemian Geek Studies podcast, where we are currently diving into Star Wars Rebels. You can find Colleen's book reviews on BohemianGeekStudies.com. And tune in again next time when we will be looking to blow something up because there's always a way to do that. <laughs> and we and we will be discussing Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. Oh, I can't wait. I have so many opinions going forward. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say it now. I love it. Oh, I mean, I'm a fan too, but I, I still have opinions, good and bad. Yeah. I like. I do like The Force Awakens. I'm not. Yeah. It's not going to be like high, super high on my list, but it's very snugly in the middle of the pack. Yeah, it's a fun ride. All right, so can't all wait right. for uh, next week. Yeah. <laughs>